Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current study, Joy and Crown. In this two-week series, we will look at the many reasons we have to be grateful while focusing on what we must do to follow Christ in this life. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. We want to welcome everybody here in the house, as well as those of you who are here online. We're glad you're here, and we uh, are thankful for you in this season of Thanksgiving. I I hope everyone enjoyed some good Thanksgiving food over this past week. Uh, We just are thankful to God for all he has done for us. And and this week, uh, as I have thought about you, I'm thankful for you, and and I'm thankful for a friend who shared an article with me uh, this week by Dr. David Jeremiah. And in that article, he writes about the whole season of Thanksgiving, and he points something out. I thought it was really good. He points out that the Bible tells us that every good gift comes from God. So that means whenever someone gives you a good gift, ultimately God is the giver, and we give thanks to God when we say thank you to that person. In fact, Uh, Dr. Jeremiah goes on, and he he does a brief word study on the word thanks. And and he says, you know, the phrase thank you, what does it really mean? He says, well, if we trace the roots of our English word thank all the way back to the Latin, the Latin word was tangere, which means think. So when we say thanks or thank you, we're saying I will remember you. I will remember what you did for me. Or or I expand that idea. I will think of you when I think of what you did for me. And that ties to gratitude to a person or to God. Now, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, the word thank progressed from being a, a favorable thought or feeling to a thought or feeling directed to a person, but it was, it went unexpressed. Then to an expression of gratitude. So thank you began as a thought, and then it became a thought concerning a favor to a person, and then it ultimately became an expression of that thought to that person responsible for the favor. Of course, in our culture, you can see sometimes there's a a disconnect We have favorable thoughts. We also have favorable thoughts toward a person, but we often fail to express our favorable thoughts to that person. In other words, we fail to say thank you as often as we should. Now, as I say this, you know, the the roots of saying thank you go back further than uh, Old English, further than Latin. Thanksgiving is a significant dimension of religious life in ancient Israel. And in the Old Testament, the word thanks or derivative of it appears 68 times. In the New Testament, it appears some 63 times. And among the types of sacrifices that were prescribed in the Old Testament that one was supposed to voluntarily give was a a fellowship offering, or sometimes it was called a thank offering. And this was an act of worship. For those who were at peace with God to express both their their gratitude and their desire to be in fellowship and relationship with God. That was the kind of thanks that Jesus often expressed. 
If you're familiar with the New Testament, you see on several occasions he fed thousands of people. Once he fed 4,000, once he's fed 5,000, and he gave thanks before each of those meals. Uh, he, he also showed thanks in other areas. In fact, today in our congregation here, uh, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Some people call it communion. Some of you may have grown up in a tradition that called it the Eucharist. And the Eucharist comes, again, from an, an ancient uh, word, Eucharista, which literally translates in English to thank you. So, when we think about the Lord's Supper, when Jesus gave thanks to God for a meal, we give thanks to God for Jesus, and we give thanks for what that meal represents for us, that he sacrificed his body and his blood on our behalf. Now, just saying all of that, that, that thank you has these, these deep roots. Uh, I, in this season of Thanksgiving, it's important for us to remember that. And remember to say thanks and, and to give thanks. And so usually I don't refer to another, a previous sermon, but, but last week in this series, uh, I shared with you just my personal encounter with a phrase in the New Testament that I just, I know I had read dozens of times before, but, but it just hit me for the first time as if I'd never read it before. And it was this word, this phrase, my joy and crown. So let me go back and read it to you in context. The Apostle Paul writes to the Christians in Philippi and he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. It was his way of saying he's thankful and that he's grateful for his brothers and sisters in Christ, for their growth in their faith, for their desire to follow Jesus. And he said it in all sincerity. And, and last week I said it in all sincerity. And I'll say it again. You know, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for my joy and my crown. So my brothers and sisters here at Valley Brook, you are my joy and crown. I'm thankful for you. And, and I'm glad that this scripture challenges us to, to uh, think of the very fact of thanksgiving. In fact, last week, I, I encouraged you to think of three ways that you may be thankful, and we made these journals available to you. They're still available in the cafe after the service. Please pick one up. They're for free, but just begin to record your thanks to God and remember that. And, and as I thought about that last week, something significant happened. As um, Sean was talking about, sometimes as we prepare for worship, we prepare things, but then God intervenes. Well, last week, uh, I do what I normally do after service. I try to go around and meet our new guests who've come to worship with us. And I, I was talking to many of uh, those new guests, and I, I saw a new couple. And so I, I went over and I greeted them, and we talked and the woman uh, told me the most meaningful story, most humbling story. And, and I reached out to them this week, and she and her husband gave me permission to share their story. But years ago, she wasn't a follower of Jesus, and she came here to Valley Brook because uh, a neighbor regularly would invite her to come to church. And it wasn't a once-and-done thing because she said no many, many times. But, but he was friendly, but persistent, not pushy. Uh, he was kind, and he sensed that she needed to know the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. And eventually, his persistence paid off. 
It broke through and she came to a service. And then she came back to another and another and another. And during that time, she heard the gospel, the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ. And she put her trust and her faith in Jesus. And that's so cool. She became a follower of Christ. Now, not long after that, she moved out of state where she found a church to attend. She met a man who became her husband and they were baptized there and they became very active in their church. Now, to hear that story last Sunday was such a blessing because they had decided on a prompting from God to drive down here to Valley Brook to, to just recall and remember where her spiritual journey, her walk with Jesus began. A journey that I never knew about and, and most of us didn't know about. Maybe a few of you did. And I want you to know that I was doubly blessed that they came to share her story. I was blessed because they took the time to come here and to tell me what God had done in their lives and I was blessed to hear how you, my joy and crown, were instrumental in her coming to faith in Christ. Because it wasn't just the message that she heard with her ears. It was the message that you lived out in relationship to her. Now, I want you to know that as we gather here and we recognize what God has done for us and we're thankful for that, I just think about the timing of that message. And I need to say this to you today, that I'm thankful for your partnership in sharing the good news of Jesus, sharing the gospel here at Valley Brook. Now, if you're wondering specifically what I mean by partnership, let me return to the words of the Apostle Paul when he writes, again, to the brothers and sisters in the town of Philippi. And I'm going to go to, to chapter 1, and this is how he opens this letter. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, until he returns. So all of us as followers of Christ, are part of something bigger than ourselves, than our individual selves. We're part of the church, what the New Testament calls the body of Christ. Once we become Christ followers, we're part of the body of Christ, whether we acknowledge it or not, okay? It's a spiritual reality, and there's no opt-out option now, hopefully that's not news to you, but here's my observation. There's a, a full spectrum of how people who say they're followers of Jesus Christ are engaged in the body of Christ. That spectrum goes from not engaged at all to being fully engaged and obviously everywhere in between. Now, unfortunately, sometimes Christians, whether or not they're just individuals or leaders or preachers or teachers, have made it sound like becoming a Christian is as inconsequential of when you get a brand new phone and you open it up and you start to activate it and it comes to that thing that says terms of agreement. Do you read that? You don't read that. There's probably 1% of you who have read it. It's that inconsequential because if you're going to use your new phone, you have to say you agree but becoming a follower of Jesus 
is extremely consequential. When you profess your faith in Jesus Christ, accepting his death to pay for the forgiveness of your sins, you are given the promise of eternal life in heaven. And whether you acknowledge it or not, the Holy Spirit comes to live with you and in you. That's what the Bible says. But it's not just all about us as individuals. When we profess our faith in Jesus Christ, we become part of the body of Christ, part of something bigger than ourselves. And it's important for us to become actively engaged, to understand that we've done that. It's not some inconsequential thing of, I agree to the terms and conditions. It's actually, you've become something of part of something that's bigger than yourself, that is not just earthly, but it's supernatural, and you're a part of that. And it's important for us to become actively engaged, using our lives, our time, our talents, our treasures, for the glory of God to build up the body of Christ and to expand the kingdom of God here on earth. And that's my long-winded way of saying that's what Paul is talking about when he says he's thankful to God for your partnership in the gospel. He's thanking the brothers and sisters in Philippi and every succession of a generation of Christ followers after that for their partnership, their active participation in the good news of Jesus, helping people come to Christ, doing whatever it takes to help the church, the body of Christ, fulfill its mission. He's talking about giving, serving, and sharing. And he's thanking them for their partnership in giving and serving and sharing. So, as I've said several times, I do want to thank you for your partnership. And I want to do so by, by sharing a story again this morning. Um, some of you know, some of you may not know, Valley Brook is part of a movement of churches. It's, it's called Converge. And one of the ways this movement of churches reaches people with the good news of Jesus is by starting new churches or what I call planting new churches. And in fact, that's the history of Valley Brook. You see, 22 years ago, this church didn't exist but 22 years ago, a group of like-minded followers of Jesus got together and said, we want to start a new church in an area of New England that doesn't have an effective ministry reaching people with the good news of Jesus. And that's how we began 22 years ago. Earlier this year, uh, the leaders of Converge came here to Valley Brook because they said, you know what, we, we want to tell the story of the partnership of planting churches and how it reaches people for Christ. So I'm going to sit down and ask you to turn your attention to the screen. So that's a story about the effectiveness of partnership in partnering in the gospel that resulted in the salvation of two people that you know, Jenna and, and, and Cheryl Sheridan, but, but it's bigger than that. But because of this partnership in the gospel, this month alone, we've seen three people make commitments to follow Jesus. And, and over these past 22 years, we've seen almost 760 people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's just, yes, that's awesome. And... I say this all the time. That's honestly just the people who let us know 
that they came to faith in Jesus. Uh, like I said, you know, the, the couple who came last week, I had no clue that she had come to faith in Christ. And I don't need to know that, but we celebrate that. And that's what happens when followers of Jesus Christ understand that, that we're in a partnership to share the good news of Jesus and change people's eternities forever. So let me return to Paul's words. After he tells us that he thanks God for our partnership in the gospel, he concludes that thought saying, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So let's talk about what that means. What does it mean to complete the good work? When Paul writes that he's confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ, he's telling us that's what God's will is for us, that he complete the good work that he started in each one of us. But Paul is also putting us on notice. Paul is saying, since this is God's will to complete the good work in us, we better do whatever it takes to facilitate God's will being completed in our lives. He's putting us on notice. So let me remind you of what the good work is. It's our partnership in the gospel. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we're partners in advancing, in other words, telling the story about Jesus through our giving, our serving, and our sharing. And as Christ followers, we're partners in this thing individually and corporately that is bigger than any one of us. That's bigger than all of us together. As Christ followers, we demonstrate our partnership every time we invest our time, our talents, and our treasures in the body of Christ. And like the story of that couple that I spoke with last Sunday, and like Cheryl and Jenna's story, when we take our partnership in the gospel seriously and do the good work, God does amazing, life-altering, eternity-changing things in the lives of people. So if you're saying to yourself, okay, so what does completing the good work look like? It looks like taking our faith in Jesus seriously and doing the things that he teaches us to do that will help us grow in our faith and that will help us do our part to spread the good news of Jesus and grow God's kingdom. In fact, Jesus taught about this and what it, he made it very clear what completing the good work involves. And it was two things, two things that you've actually already heard today and you probably saw when you came in today. It's loving God and it's loving people. And when you love God and you love people, you're going to change the world. And it doesn't matter if it's one person at a time because every single person counts. So what does loving God look like? Well, it looks like making time to know God by being in a relationship with God, by reading God's word, letting him speak to you so you can learn about his love for you and learn about his call and desire for you and your life. But it also means you communicating back. That's prayer. Loving God also looks like worshiping, not just for an hour on Sunday morning, but loving him by the way that we live our lives. Loving him by recognizing that we're his ambassadors. And so the words that we speak 
always matter. And the things that we do always matter. Worshiping God means thinking about how I live every day at work or in retirement or whatever it is because we are followers and how we live and how we speak and how we do every day reflects on God. Worshiping God means recognizing that everything we have, our lives, our time that we have on this earth, our mind, our talents, our skills, our treasures, they have the potential to be invested in the work of spreading the good news of Jesus. The Bible tells us that we've received the promise of eternal life in heaven by believing in Jesus, not by doing any good works, but the Bible also tells us that the natural outcome of believing, of having faith, is serving God by doing good works because we love God, not because it earns us anything at all. And the Bible teaches us that one day, will actually stand before God not to be saved because you were saved when you put your faith in Jesus. But one day you'll stand before God and he'll ask you what you do with your time, your talents, and your treasures. And so we love God by knowing him and serving him. So what does loving people look like? Jesus said it looks like treating other people the way we want to be treated. And we all are pretty expert at knowing how we want to be treated. I don't know about you. I want to be encouraged. I want to be shown kindness and love and respect. I, I also want to be challenged. I just don't want to, you know, spend my life not challenged. And I want people to tell me what really matters in life. So if there is a path to eternal life, and we know what that is, it's faith in Jesus, I would want people to tell me, wouldn't you? So take some time and, and read the New Testament and let God reveal in his word all of the commands on how we're supposed to love and respect and show kindness to others. Don't take your cues from the culture that we live in, all right? Don't emulate what's going on in our society because it's not of God. But take your cues from God's word. And remember that we're followers of Christ in a partnership to share the good news of Jesus with others. So when we live like that, loving God and loving others, we'll do the good work that Paul talks about and we'll do our part to change the world one life at a time. So that brings us back full circle to being grateful, to thanksgiving, I thank God every time I think of you. You're my joy and my crown. And I know that we have a partnership in the gospel to share it with all people. And I know that's your heart's desire. And so I want to encourage you both with gratitude and with my words. So thank you. Thank you for taking seriously that you're part of something bigger than your individual life. Thank you for doing whatever it takes to help the good news of Jesus spread to others. Thank you for taking seriously your part to complete the good work of the gospel. So as I close this message out, I want to encourage you and challenge you and pray for you. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up.
But, you know, here's the thing. You heard about our live nativity. We do it every year. We don't do it just for fun. We do it because we think it's a, a relevant way at this time in life to share the good news of Jesus with people. And so I want to encourage you to pick up one of these postcards. They're all around the building. Pick up several. Go next door to your neighbor and invite them. Take a picture of it front and back and send it to somebody who lives in the area so that they can experience what it may have been like when God broke through the heavens and came to earth in Jesus to send us a savior. And so for over 2,000 years, people like you and me have been telling others, mouth with their words, with their writing, with their invitations, one person at a time. And that's how the gospel is spread. You know, I've read it said more than 75% of people who come to faith in Jesus Christ come because somebody invited them to a place where they would hear the message. And look, the live nativity is not pushy at all. It's, it's very casual. You experience it. So invite your friends, your family, those who don't know Jesus. Invite them. And then afterwards, maybe not the same evening, say, you know, what do you think about that? You want to talk about that? You know, in your life, somebody told you or invited you to a place where you heard. And I thank God for those people in your lives and in my life. My person is sitting right here, my wife. I had heard it hundreds of times, but I didn't understand it until she told me that I really didn't know Jesus. <laughs> and through her kindness, I came to that place where I accepted Christ. We all have a story like that. Nobody can argue with our story of how we came to faith, but we need to share it with one another. So now I want to pray for you that you would share it. And I would say this, if somebody's here in the room or with us online that, that you know, you, this is really the first time you've really thought about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, I'm going to open my prayer with just some success, suggested words for you to actually pray silently back to God and then I'm going to pray for each one of us that we would be effective in sharing the good news of Jesus. So would you bow your heads with me? God, we are humbled that you would call us partners in the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus. Thank you for entrusting us with that message. Lord, I recognize there may be somebody today who said, you know, I've really never made a commitment to follow Jesus, to believe in him. And if that's you, I'm just going to pause right here and I'm going to give you some words to put in your own words and pray back to God. Here's the first phrase. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died to pay the price for my sins. And I accept his forgiveness today that he rose from the dead to defeat sin and death. And today I declare that I want to follow him all the days of my life. And as we close out that part of the prayer, Lord, I pray for each one of us 
Thank you that you've called us into this partnership to, to spread the gospel. Give us promptings from your spirit that we will not miss and help us have the boldness to follow through. Help us reach out and talk to somebody like somebody talked to us. Help us reach out and invite somebody to a place where they will hear the good news of Jesus like somebody did for us. Help us tell somebody that they matter to God like somebody told us. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.